One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Joe Branton. Yes. JB. It's my name. Joseph B. Rantonio. Also my name. Good. Um, how would you like to find out why Fender are using less rosewood than before? Well, that sounds exciting. How about finding about some alternatives to the Line 6 M9? Well, I love alternatives to the well, Line 6 M9. that's good, because that's what we talked about on this week's Patreon episode. We did. Patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, where from as little as $1 a month, you can support the Guitar Nerds podcast. $1 a month gets you the regular podcast ad-free and early. $5 a month gets you an extra half an hour every week, as well as access to the Joe Branton's Ranton miniseries and all the interviews that Matt's been doing with pedal builders around the world. Um, and $10 a month gets you access to our super exclusive... Go exclusive! Um, podcast producer tier... It's all good fun. Um, Patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. We've got something like 80 hours worth of stuff you can listen to. How much do you think, if there's 80 hours in total, how much do you think it breaks down to each of us talking? I think, well, it's probably me 60 hours or something waffling and you guys doing the good stuff Yeah, for the rest of the time. So if you want that 60 hours of me waffling, Patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. I'm actually buying a new guitar. I'm actually buying a new guitar. A guitar guitar, not a bass guitar. I'm actually buying a new guitar, not a bass A guitar. I will never need to buy another gigging bass. Now I've got the stone filled. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Packham. Joined this evening by Matt Knight. Whoop whoop. Jay Cross. It's the sound. And Joe Branton. 
Diddly bow. Good, good. <laughs> Glad we're all in a good mood. Um, now, you... uh, before we go anywhere, Joe, what did you just say there? No. What I, did you I was say? Just, I was just playing biddly, up. You said biddly. And I was then just what? playing up to the new intro music. Oh. Yeah. So um, we haven't actually just listened to it, but we all listened yeah, to I it earlier in the week. Um, so uh, we had some excellent. Uh, music submitted by law listener Moog Gravit um, using, uh, as we requested a few weeks ago, the Joe Branton voice sample about him by having the last bass he's ever going to buy. Um, we are taking submissions for intro music, but not just any intro music. Um, they have to be using that s- sample from two weeks ago, was it, on the podcast? Sure. Joe said uh, the his current bass was the last one he's going to buy. Well, 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 well. I think that you know you. I said it was the last. I would never need to bass. buy another. I'll never gigging need bass. to buy another gigging bass. That, yeah, exactly. That doesn't that. mean I can't buy other basses for recreational purpose. Mm, I think it does. Well, that's I, true. Actually, I, I said think gigging. That's a good little gigging. From Joe gigging was there. the key word. Have you there, have you gigged the old uh, Stonefield yet? Uh, no, no, I haven't. Um, but actually, uh, I was with Jay the other day, and I finally went and got it set up because I needed to get it set up for my tuning, and it actually required adding some extra wood to the bridge. Good. Wood I, is good. Um, it's a shame, dear listener. I, I sort of feel like I can't really share this photo because it's got somebody else in it who, you know, I don't want to share an unsolicited photo of someone. But I was with Joe whilst he was trying to explain to um, our friend Graham, uh, who is one of the most fantastic guitar techs in the land, uh, what he needed yeah. to do in order to, to have this bass set up. I and was explaining the 14-step restringing process. <laughs> the picture that I took of Graham's face when Joe was like halfway through the description was honestly one of... It's just comedy gold. I sent it to, to Mark and Matt and it was... It's absolutely fantastic just watching a, a bloke who has done nothing but fix guitars for 40 years look at you like he has never seen a guitar before. It was it was wonderful. Yeah. What what I think the outcome uh, the outcome of it was that he eventually said yes this system is very very good. Yeah. But getting there because yeah. it's so he actually when uh, yeah it do, it does look very complicated like a like a guide like it it comes in a little sort of booklet but box thing like a file of facts and inside is like a little booklet that Fun explains the, the tuning uh, the, uh, how to restring and how to tune and it does look very complicated when I came to pick it up he was like oh yeah it was very straightforward he yeah. was fine then but yeah it is daunting just the uh, the fun facts of doom for yeah. restringing your your stone field. Yeah. So you got it all sorted in the end. It's, yeah, it's ready and to it's, Oh, it's playing great at home. Like really, really enjoying it. I've been uh, I've been uh, using it with at home with a couple of different compressors with the AnaSound. Um, we're, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a bit, but with the AnaSound uh, Lazy Comp and also with the uh, the Bright Onion uh, baking powder. Yeah, um, and with the baking powder especially. It sounded absolutely brilliant at home. So tomorrow I'll take it out for its first like full band practice thing and we'll see. See if it survives yeah. the punishing polymath rehearsal uh, schedule that you've got on. Exactly. You're not so, going to be able to like throw it around and stuff like <coughs> polymath are famed for, are you? Uh, well, I probably will. I mean, What I happens if to. you break the bridge? It is a risk. I mean, <laughs> this is Emma was talking <laughs> to me about this because we were like, look at the bases you've got at home and it's like the... The Sunburst Jazz Bass. They're all wrecked. Yeah, the Sunburst Jazz Bass I broke on the last tour. Um, like one of the bridge saddles came off in the last show. 
Um, but that's fine. It's a fender. Yeah. Like you can yeah. Just... So I can get a replacement. Yeah, that's true. The my silver Squire classic vibe jazz bass I threw a few gigs ago and it landed awkwardly and a big chunk of it came off and one of the tuning pegs. So that one again, again not an issue because you could just go to <laughs> all parts and buy another one. And the and my fifty seven, uh, well fifties reissue P bass that I had refinished i threw out into an audience at a show and then like pulled it back to me on the cable because it's an anodized scratch plate the plate the 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 scratch plate bent which then like ripped apart the jack input so i need to get that changed so So, all of your gigging bases are broken yeah so you're about to take out a what four thousand dollar thousand five hundred pounds australian dollars yeah i'm sure he's listening to this well pleased about (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) talking about taking that i I did forewarn him about the sort of shows that it would be involved in but I'm interesting to see how it holds up because it is very different. Or is this beginning of a more reserved Joe Branton? I think I'm I'm getting into you know my old, old age. age. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I maybe I need to start looking after my equipment a bit more. So I guess this is growing up. Indeed. So the long and short of that is, uh, if you've got any, uh, if you want to take on the challenge of doing some botastic theme music Ugh. for this podcast, if you think you can beat Moog's effort that you heard at the start here. Um, do uh, do send it in uh, guitar nerds uh, no info at guitarnerds.net that's how it will get to us um, and uh, yeah we'll we'll have some fun with it we've got another one for next week um, but what? Uh, indeed uh, I you've not even heard that one uh, um, but do keep sending them in I like this sort of uh, vague trolling of Joe Branton it's it's appreciated what, what about for people who've never listened to the podcast before and that's their first ever episode is that the first thing they hear uh, yeah <laughs> I, was, an intro from you. I was thinking about that as we were just talking about this I was like wait sometimes this podcast is not particularly accessible to the new listener and by putting that at the front of it it's going to be even less accessible I was was thinking about this a little bit this week like I've sort of um, caught up with a lot of the longer term podcasts I've been listening to and I'm I'm a little bit I realise I shouldn't be saying this as someone who's on a longer term podcast but I'm always a little bit reluctant to jump into a new podcast that's been running for a long time because it is difficult to get the backstory in jokes and completely and I was maybe not so much in jokes but like understanding who the people are yeah. I was kind of thinking that maybe at some point we should do like a one-off bonus podcast that's kind of just for newer listeners explaining who we are and how we know each other and what we do and stuff it's I don't like- know maybe we should do it when we're pissed at some point but like mm. I think that's probably a bad idea if we introduce yeah. people to the podcast that's true but maybe we should just do like a refresher podcast that's like hi hello this is who we are and this is how we know each other I sort of feel the podcast is a little bit like comic books or professional wrestling in that everyone's ep- everyone every episode is someone's first episode and we should make an attempt to onboard as yeah. it's called uh, people but also at the same time just listen to it if you thought it was fun then maybe go back and listen to the other spoilers, ones spoilers though or just get on board from this point spoilers yeah they're, yeah, we've probably spoiled the gear and the, the year oh, and stuff don't God. listen to them backwards that'd be a bad idea um, but <laughs> you know I listen to um, things like Komodo Mayo the, the film podcast that's full filled with in jokes and I didn't listen to the first one because it was in like 1987 or something um, <laughs> so yeah I, I think you know I think we do a, a not a bad job I think we've all got quite distinct characters. You know who's who. So this Bo Banton thing. <laughs> yeah. It's obviously Bo going. Ban- Bo Banton's out of control. You, there's now um, 
there's about to be Bo Banton merch. Really? Yeah. Someone's making a dollar off like, the hard work we put in for <laughs> Bo Banton. There is actually going to be Bo Banton merch. What sort of merch? Uh, you're going to be able to get a Bo Banton beanie. Yeah. I believe that's uh, <laughs> perfect. The Bo that's one of the Bo-ini. things. Yeah, yeah. So good. What is it just going to say, Bo? I assume it's just. Gonna you, say do you know Bo who's doing this now? Of my face. No, <laughs> I have. I think I do, but he absolutely adamantly denies it. So I don't know. Who knows? I can't wait. Where can people find the the Bo Banton merch? Um, and do you, oh, why are you actively encouraging them to buy it? Uh, because oh, it's going to be done for charity. Okay, it's that's no, fine. again, it's nothing to do with me, but it's going to be like a, a charity sort of Bo's fund with my face on it. So okay. there we go. Is it a oh, cha- charity for people with bad taste in basses? Yeah, probably. Or just a questionable taste? Questionable taste in instruments. Yeah, why yeah. not? Good, good. Maybe we can finally get you into rehab like we've been promising to do. Um, so, a bit of an interesting week in that we've had a bit of a shake-up in how we do things here at Guitar Nerds have Towers. We? Well, in that you and Matt have taken full charge of Pedal of the Week. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I've allowed this to happen. Oh, um, the Lunatics, or, I mean, I'm talking about you, Joe, are now running the proverbial asylum. Um, so, the idea is to freshen up... Uh, Pedal of the Week a little yeah. bit, and you guys did a, a little session the other day. That's right. So you we're, wanna, we're co-hosting now. Yeah, yeah. Matt, yeah. do you, you want to run down the pedals that you... Um, well, talk about uh, what you actually <clears throat> shot on Saturday and like the vibe and what uh, the pedals that you uh, you demoed. We we went all out, me and Joe Branton. We got new backdrop, lights. It was, it was, it was actually... When I was setting up, I was like, I wonder if my living room will actually be big enough. And then through the camera lens, I was like... This looks absolutely wicked. It did look um, great. It did look really good. I was like, wow, this looks actually fairly professional. Um, so with Joe editing it, we'll just have to wait and see. I suppose. <laughs> it's going to be a shambles. For, um, I, I think actually the, the most exciting thing about doing this new series is <clears throat> the equipment that we've got on board. Not so much the no, – well, not not so much, but I mean not – not the pedals that that we're doing in Pedal of the Week, but the equipment we've got to run them through yeah. is such a great um, a, a great backline for all of that. Matt, you should yeah. talk, talk the listeners well, through everything that we were using. I suppose for people who have watched the previous videos, we've always used the Two Notes um, Cab Sim and the uh, LeClean, which has been really good. But I think our biggest problem doing the videos so far has been like monitoring it. And maybe not necessarily getting a true representation of the sound. Um, so this time we decided to, because we've got a bit more room, we can shoot. We're shooting in my flat. We can turn up a little bit. Um, we're using an actual amp. So we're using my Morgan PR12 through a two by twelve Zilla cab. Uh, we're miking up the greenback speaker. Because the we, the Zilla cab itself has a, a greenback and a vintage thirty. And a vintage thirty. Yep. And then we're also taking a feed from a Hughes and Kettner red box. Yeah. So we can mix those two signals together to get a nice, true, good valve sound of um, of the pedals, yeah. which I think was pretty important moving the kind of the videos forward for everyone. I thought it was time that we kind of maybe run through a, a setup that Definitely. is maybe a little bit more recognisable. And the, the, the PR12 was a great head. Uh, Matt, you should explain what the, like, the features of a, of a Morgan PR12, because it is one of the best sounding clean heads i've ever heard other than looking yeah. absolutely phenomenal 
Yeah, because it's it's more of a like a pedal platform amplifier. I suppose that's the term that's kind of been thrown around more recently um, with amp manufacturers. But basically, a Fender Princeton with a souped-up power transformer for tons of headroom, uh, inbuilt spring reverb, but it's got an independent like dwell control, so you can set the amount of reverb and then like the mix into the actual signal, which is really nice. So you can have a super splashy reverb, but really low in the mix. Um, and yeah, just so much clean headroom that you basically can't overload it or get it to drive unless you turn it all the way up. So it makes it perfect for fuzz pedals or demoing delay pedals without the need for an effects loop or anything like that. So we can put everything in the front end and we know everything's going to sound super yeah, nice and super and clean. It sounded brilliant. And, and other than that, we also, we've got, um, we've had a board made up by, um, by custom pedal boards. Pedal boards yeah. So um, we... Yeah, we got to use that as well and make up some boards. And then after you left, Joe, I actually put some pedals on it and made a little mini board. I thought, here's an idea. I'm just going to throw it out into the podcast. I thought since I started doing some live Facebook videos on like a Sunday, I thought, how about every so often I do build a board live and we'll go through all the pedals that we've got here that we've been sent for guitar nerds. And then people in the comments can like shout out what they want and then I'll like build it yeah, that's and then cool. we'll plug it in and listen to it. Yeah, that's a great idea. Oh, and and actually cool. the, the other nice little thing we managed to get on, on that board is courtesy of um, of Bright Onion. Um, we've got a little uh, a little routing box on the Yeah, on, a little patch box, which is nice. And an always on volume pedal, which was super nice. But the patch box is cool because we're getting sent an amp on Friday from Davis Amplification to do like a long-term test on, which has got an effects loop. So we'll be able to do some cool stuff with effects loops, eight watt, all valve, uh, dual channel. Yeah, blendable kind of wet and dry on the effects loop. So that's coming on Friday. So a little bit more to report on that as well. Should we have a quick talk about quick. some of the stuff that you demoed mm -hmm. um, at the weekend? Yeah, let's sure. not go into too much detail because obviously people will see the videos when they come out, but yeah. Um, I'm more. I'm curious. First off, about the other amps that you demoed. Didn't you do some? Did you do some orange stuff? We did do the orange Rocker 15 and Rocker 32, the two new combos that we've spoken yep. about a bit on this podcast. So they're new 10-inch speaker combos. That the 32 um, being designed, uh, being its 210, which is designed very much for people who use stereo effects, which yep. is super cool. So you've got um, you've got like a a, a stereo in on the on the back a stereo effects loop which allows you to do one of two things you can either run one of the speakers wet and the other one clean or you can you know ping pong delays and reverbs and things between them so uh that was super cool really enjoyed doing those did it um one thing that interested me with that was what with the speakers being so close together you know you've got a relatively small sound stage there huh. do you still get the ping pong effect well, is, we, it, is um, it that obvious because i've always thought that you you need you need a lot of space really well, for, for that to to work we because of the current obviously because this is new for us there was obviously some limitations on what we could record sure um and we we basically need a bigger mixer to add more mics and i thought actually the best thing because i run a wet dry setup at home rather than a stereo setup we actually demoed everything wet dry because for me i think you get more impact that way so we ran the boss dc2 uh, and then we took one of the outs into a dd3 
Um, and the way a chorus pedal actually works is it sends one channel completely dry and one channel completely affected, but the mix of those two speakers gives you that huge chorus sound. Right, okay. And that's how it works on a JC120, which I only found out maybe maybe a year ago oh, so. Whoa, I always, a 120 only one speaker only one chorus. speaker is one chorus because if you plug into the new roland jc40 you've got two inputs like a jc120 but if you plug two guitars in and you turn the chorus on one guitar has chorus and, and one guitar is is one is clean that actually which is quite makes, cool that makes a lot of sense if once i think about my um my space echo the re the sre555 yeah because that actually it, it like it says it very obviously on the um on the top which effects go to which um go to which out if you're using it in stereo and yeah the chorus is only in one channel i hadn't thought yeah. about it until you said that yeah so that's so we we did that so we got um i think the way it probably worked was we got chorus and delay through one speaker and then one speaker was completely dry and then we mic'd up the wet speaker and then took the dry speaker feed from the Hughes and Kettner red box gotcha um and the sound out of that was was great i was like actually that's a great way to do it live because then you're taking a direct live feed into a desk via an xlr and then you're micing an affected speaker up to go through the pa as well uh, yeah, although although that wouldn't work in like very large venues, would it? Obviously. Uh, well, no, because obviously you'd still be blending things t- together anyway. But it was it was like it was quite a cool way to kind of record it. Yeah. yeah. But the the great I think I thought the best thing about it was was that for me I love the sound of orange amps, but I've never really used them because I run loads of pedals straight into the front end, and obviously when you add loads of gain, everything sounds super mushy. Where this just sounded like totally crystal clear but it then you had this great, great amazing top layer of distortion over it so you had this amazing orange crunch sound but then underneath you just had all this lovely like chorus and delay that and they just sat on top of each other so well that's awesome i was like for a gigging amp amazing and the 15 i thought as a bedroom amp is an absolute winner uh, I, I thought it was a great all-rounder because it's got a feature in, in the back, a, a headroom or bedroom switch, yeah, which, is, that which is allows the... a fantastic name. That yeah. works so <laughs> well. But it allows it to switch between... In, in headroom, uh, you can switch between 15 and, and 7 watts, and in bedroom, you can uh, split between 1 watt and half a watt. Yep. And even at, like at half a watt, it sounded great. Really? Like, just r- yeah. like... Like I expected to get a bit sort of you know be in a box sort of thing, but, but it, usable bedroom volumes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but also, it actually, even went relatively like, loud and still sounded good. Yeah, headroom but, volumes. But I thought it was great. I thought it was a really loud fifteen watt. I mean, you'd expect that from Orange, I guess. Anyway, but I was like, this is absolutely. This has got to be one of the best, like, affordable gigging amps wow. on the market at the moment. They're not and a lot of money at all, are they? I seem to remember. Like Five nine nine, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's reasonable, I guess. Yeah, but exactly. It's, but, I mean, it's that's, great. That's, that's the same price as you pay for a uh, Blues Junior. Exactly. Or, that's true. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and I thought it was way more versatile than a than a Blues yeah. Junior. Because sounded sounded way better. Jay, I know when you interviewed him, he said it's not like Tiny Terror Mark Two. Yeah. It's, it's it's like more of a future version of the Rocker 30 well, which is and the th exa- 30 and it's just like he's taken that platform and taken what was great about the Tiny Terra and then kind of like mushed them together into an amp that was just like, wow, it's like the best of I've, both worlds. Really. I've been so, so impressed with um, this kind of like 
era of Orange Amps. You know, I think what they've what they've been doing is just absolutely phenomenal. You know, you think back to you know where are we like five years ago? It, I mean, even although it's not for everyone, um, the uh, the Micro Terror. You know, what a fantastic little yeah. innovation. You know, everybody yeah. loved it. And then straight after that, we had like the OR15, like the smaller. Yeah, I still think so they're good. Incredible. Absolutely amazing. And then the dual darks, like the dual darks are so yeah. good. And let's not forget the gym route. I the, loved the gym route. Completely. You know, just great amp after great amp after great amp. And I think um, one of the things that has, uh, you know, that's faulted a little bit with, maybe not faulted. I mean, obviously, I don't know how many they're selling or whatever, but in comparison to the those other amps that you know we've just talked about the this rocker series doesn't seem to have it's not got like a shtick do you know what i mean it's not got well, like they've been going on a lot about the stereo effects completely they have absolutely but like there's it's not like oh it's black or oh it's really yeah, small it, it's, and i think it's because that does, that isn't there it hasn't immediately no. appeared in people's like in the front of people's minds which i think is a shame because they are great amps yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are, but that's it. It's kind of it's just a great amp, I guess. Should we talk a little bit, um, very quickly, about some of the pedals that we demo? Because yeah, yeah okay. people are going to see well, the demos. Should, we, should but... we just both because we did loads, but let's just say like a highlight each. For, just, for me, it was just uh, two, two or three each. I reckon. Okay, well, I'd two say each. the the French company Anna Sound. They did their Lazy Comp, which I completely loved because I really like effects that don't have many controls. Because if you can make an effect sound good without giving all those options to people, that means you've set it up right in the yeah. first place so it's a it's one control compressor so of course that one control is compression no <laughs> it's not i already knew that it wasn't and then when you said that i was like wait I, I think he's got that wrong uh, yeah yeah it's the the only control on it is is a, a wet dry mix yeah which is great so they've already set the amount of compression they've already set the attack they've set it all to be optimum and they're, it is it was brilliant they're basically saying this is the sound of the pedal how much of it do you want yeah exactly it, uh, I thought it was absolutely brilliant wonderful sounding and a really unique really great look as well yeah um, it, it like had a there's a, like a bamboo top on the and, and a sound pedals with kind of like a laser etch like cut into the bamboo panda on the front yeah I just, and, and this great big like green and a sound LED in there that I think is useful again you know we get criticised for talking about how pedals look but actually oh, okay. the um, the big green LED works in its favour it's very very visible yeah. and with a compressor I guess when you're on stage sometimes it's a bit hard to tell if you've got you know all the, the band going on around you it's, it might be a bit difficult to tell whether it's on or not um, so having a huge indicator on there I think yeah. is, a, is a super bonus so yeah. Matt Knight how about one from you Um, I I'm going to go with the ground control audio. Ground Amaratsu. Control audio? Amaratsu, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I was making sure I got the company name right there. Yeah, it is. Because I loved it when I unboxed it, and I was like, the only problem is it's just it's like almost too loud, but it sounds great when you kind of have it down low. And then when we plugged it in, we had that so, going into the Walrus Audio 385. So the, the so, Amaratsu is a is a clean boost. We should it's a one, it's yeah, a one single controlled control clean boost. boost. Yeah with a bright switch and kind of i played for a bit and and joe sort of messed around with the volume control and we were like wow it goes from like you know sort of loud to super loud but then when you turn it to zero and then just go between like on and off it still does something to your sound which i thought was great yeah. because it, it still just adds, kind of made everything sound 
bright and and, and beefy lovely. though as well it had a yeah. like it, it really had a lot of eq impact like just in the off setting which i thought was yeah. great but I the real the real thing with this is is how you used it with the walrus audio yeah so we used the 385 which is the uh, film projector preamp um on like a relatively like medium gain setting turned the amaratsu all the way up and it basically didn't give any more volume. It just slammed the front end of the preamp and just turned it into like this incredible fuzz, where it was effectively just like collapsing the input of the amp. So oh, it wow. just turned into this amazing like fuzz pedal. Like you were basically, because it's like a amp preamp, I suppose, it was like you'd taken the booster, turned it up to full, and then put it straight into the front end of an amplifier. Yeah, yeah. So you got this amazing, like, vintage cranked amp sound. Yeah, like, really was, organic so that was just, sounding like, first. Totally blew my mind. I think those two together were just, like, that's a, just a great sound. One more highlight from you, Joe Branton. Oh, um, oh, I, I, I wasn't thinking about getting it. Okay, so the the other highlight, actually, and I... I wanted it to be a more obscure brand than this because I was really enjoying all the sort of the weird little boutique things that we were seeing. But actually, the thing that um, I loved the most was Earthquaker Devices. Um, we had their new reverb and their new delay, but their reverb, what was that called, Matt? Do you remember? Uh, the Transmitter. The trans. The Transmitter reverb, um, which was in kind of reverb is so in vogue at the moment yeah yeah and reverbs are starting to become all the same like there are certain things certain tick boxes that all reverbs have to have now the shimmery thing and all of that sort of stuff and this was this was not that but it also wasn't like a traditional sort of spring sound if you want a reverb pedal i would say don't buy this but <laughs> if you want if you want a sort of bonkers weird ambient pedal it was like post rock in pedal form it was so you couldn't get a safe reverb from it so it's not just no. like a shimmer then it's just no it's not even odd. like it's not even there's that, no then. reverb you can compare it with on the market no, it doesn't nothing, sound it's, like it, a reverb sound that it, you can buy anything it, else it would be difficult for me or matt to try and explain it other than just to give you an idea there is an expression out for the frequency of the <laughs> reverb Okay, weird. Yeah, it's like a resonant filter inside. Like you turned the the resonance all the way up and the cutoff all the way up on like a mixing deck and then you get that kind of real high peak kind of frequency sweep. I really want to hear that. Yeah, like it's, it's in so bonkers. With the reverb. Yeah, it's really it's just like like Joe said, it's not it's not and they even say in the manual this is not a reverb pedal for people who want a reverb pedal. I kind of wish they hadn't called it a reverb pedal. They should have called it like an ambient pedal or something. Because yeah, yeah. like, it's it's so much more an effect. Like I think of reverb as being quite an organic thing and this was an effect. It doesn't this sound like, more like a, a spring reverb. More like a modulation. Like yes. A, this was, yeah, this was like a modulation. You would use it for weirdness. Right. You would okay. never use yeah. this as like, you know, you know, reverb's that little touch that you put on your sound to yeah, sort of thicken it up, make it more creamy. This well, was just, just make it sound more natural like it's in a room. Yeah, exactly. This was just, it was just bonkers, but in a wholly positive way. Like, I didn't really know what the controls did and we started messing around with it and it was impossible to make it sound rubbish. And for a six controlled pedal, I think that's that's pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah. A really yeah. good transmitter. Earthquake device. Is it in a standard size oh, box? Yeah, standard it? size box, but the finishes on their new pedals, they're all glitter. So it was purple yeah. glitter. Cool. Yes. All good. Yeah, it was great. And um, Earthquake can now do something called Pedal Doodle, 
where someone on the production line has started doodling on the inside of the back plate and they only do it on certain ones and like every time someone finds one like they post a picture on instagram and stuff and people are like desperate to try and find them but there's no like serial number connection it's just like someone on the production line is like doodling inside these pedals did we get a pedal dude did we get one we didn't. I checked both of uh, them. I was a bit like, uh, "That's a shame." That's I don't shame. even think they know. Once they get boxed, I think they're just like, "They're in it. there. Somewhere. They're there for the future." That's cool. That's neat. I'm, I'm into that. Yeah, I like it. Jay Cross, you also had a big weekend. I did. You were out and about at Brighton's Great Escape Festival. I was. Um, where people, bands, and stuff, and young people who I can't relate to invade yeah. the city for a weekend. Yeah. So the Great Escape is a music festival that is it's kind of like they're trying to make it like south by southwest in the uk yeah but it's all it's pretty much exclusively new bands so it, it works in a very odd way in that the the venues get like booked out by record labels and like music managers and Companies and then they get bands to play their showcases. So it's set up by like a marketing company, isn't it? But essentially, not anymore. I think it's Live Nation now. I think it got bought by. I think originally it was a marketing company. So like it was a very odd spin on a music festival. Um, And like when it first, when it first happened, like when it when it launched, like I guess like ten years ago or so there was a lot of people getting really angry because they couldn't get in to see the bands they wanted to see because it's it's like if the venue's filled up the venue's filled up and that's that's the biggest problem is that most venues in Brighton are like are 200 cap completely yeah, and completely. they sell what how many tickets how many thousands oh, of tickets it's, there's a lot of tickets that get sold but anyway i was um i was i was uh i bought a ticket for the um i actually only bought a day ticket for the saturday because there was actually only one band that I wanted to see but he was well one fella but he was playing twice so um, so I, I went along to that and I went along to a couple of other bits and pieces but what also happens alongside the festival is this thing called The Alternative Escape which is pretty much all of the bands that are playing The Great Escape except for the bigger headliners um, also play a bunch of free shows in the city yeah. that happen in other venues that you don't have to pay to get into yeah. which is it, it, it's very very odd but um, so I went to some of that as well, um, but the whole th- there was a there was a lot of um, a lot of Fender about. Okay, Fender had a stage, um, and which was outside, which apparently was a bit of a literal washout well, on was, the first day. It was it, very rainy on Thursday. Thursday and Friday, Thursday especially was very rainy. Um, so I, I don't think anybody sort of stuck around for that. But okay. um, through just in the other venues, it was all. Like it was pretty much all Fender amps, so I went to see the person I really wanted to see is this guy called John K. Sampson, who um, is better known for being the singer of uh, the Canadian indie rock band The Weekendans, uh, and was an original member of um, Canadian punk rock band Propagandi. Um, but yeah, he is doing his own thing now, and it's like a lot softer. Um, Mark's shaking his head. I, I really like the Propagandi stuff. That he plays bass. Isn't he, Jay? Isn't he like your musical hero? The Weaker Thans are my favourite band of all time, and yeah, he is my musical hero. Have you actually met him? I met, met him. Did you play a gig? I once? didn't. No, I met him after the show on uh, on Saturday. Uh, I just went up and shook his hand and said hello. Um, that I was. Cry. I bet you were sweating. <laughs> I wasn't sweating, but I was like, 
this is like this is a big deal because he's he's incredible. The week honestly, the weekend ends are my favorite. But anyway, he played two sets and he played um, one on Saturday morning, and it was just him and his guitar and into a uh, um, a hot rod De, uh, hot rod Deville four ten. Yeah, um, and it sounded absolutely incredible. What it was, guitar? So he plays a beard cell. <laughs> A what? Model 7 JKS. I Which is... It sounds like Joe Branton's terrorist group, it, the it, Beard Cell. <laughs> <laughs> so it's his own signature guitar that has been made for him by a guy in Winnipeg, where he's from. Um, and it's like a... It looks a bit like a Les Paul, but... Right. It's all made of wood. Like yeah. All the knobs are wood and stuff. All the, yeah, and like the... Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A scratch plate is wood. Is and this I, this weird thing with like a slotted headstock? No. No. No, but it's got, um, I think it's like, I think it's like made out of a, a single piece of, uh, it's made more like a 335. Right. So it's like a, or like a, uh, not a 335, a 355, um, in that it's a single piece of, um, of mahogany, right? I, I think it's mahogany. I don't Wait, what was the what was the model called? Beard the... Cell J- Model Seven wow. JKS. That is a crazy looking guitar. I've just uh, I've just pulled it up. Yeah, so he um, he plays that, and it's it's two humbuckers, but like the the guy who um, makes guitars, his like whole mantra is like 
he likes the way that electric guitars sound, but he doesn't like how they feel. Like he, do, they don't feel like. Like it's really funny when you read his website, he refers to guitars and electric guitars, right. and it's very much like, right? Well, this is an electric guitar. It's not a guitar. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's really funny. But um, he, you know, he likes the way that guitars feel, and he's always been put off that electric guitars don't have the same sort of vibe to them. Um, so he's made What's it that out of mean? Like, well, you know, but he's made it out of the. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, yeah, yeah. but he's made it out of like a single piece of of, of right. wood. Um, and yeah, so he, he that into a uh, into a into a four ten. And honestly, just like it made me remember how much I fell in love with that four ten, the uh, four ten. What was it a Deville? Deville? It was a Deville four ten Deville. Like I've seen a lot of those, a lot of that sort of configuration. I, I don't think I mentioned it, but a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine bought off of uh, Gumtree a um, PV Classic Fifty four ten. That's so, so cool. But yeah. she doesn't live in Brighton, and so I like went and picked it up for her from the top floor from, of a high rise block. Of honestly, flats. it was a nightmare. But like, it sounded so good. Like that speaker configuration sounds so good. You just don't want to have to move it anywhere yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah which is like as soon as you stop playing the guitar and then are like right better pat this away now it's like immediately you're like oh yeah this is why i don't have this amp well it's the same speaking, as a small house speaking of which actually um uh dan grace occasional podcaster is just about to go and collect from zilla his new custom 410 oh nice um in I fact s- we need to get him back on the podcast soon to talk we should. about his new his new rig because it is phenomenal. Okay. I saw him today. Oh, did you? I saw him today driving the Bimmobile. Um, <laughs> this is the Brighton Institute of Modern Music. So our friend Dan Grace, friend of the podcast, works for uh, the Brighton Institute of Modern Music, and he was driving a band uh, up the A23 as I was on my way to work, and I I saw it, and I was like, I bet that's Dan, and it was Dan, and as I drove past, he didn't see me, um, and I, but I got into the lane in front of him, and I rolled down the window, and I, uh, I did a rock hand out the window, and uh, and yeah, he looked really, really confused, and he couldn't see it was me, but he gave me one back. <laughs> right, nice, <laughs> good, good times, rock and roll on the motorway. Mm. Um, so that was the only guitar player that you saw at Great Escape. I wanted to talk a bit about what guitars you saw, but if you only saw one, then... uh, yeah, I saw that. I, um, I, what else did I see? I. Um, you went to you were on another uh, the way to another gig when I saw you, so you must have seen one there. Yes, I did. I did go to another. show I went to an alternative escape show and I saw um, a guy playing um, a strat into a mini wreck. Okay, um, which was cool. It yeah. sound, that sounded really good, actually. I'd imagine it would. Those amps sound great. Um, and I also um, I tell you the other thing that I saw that was really, really fantastic was uh, on the Thursday I went to see this band from London called Slow Coaches who are really good, like a three-piece uh, punk band. And the guitar player was playing a um, one of those FMT tellies. Um, you know, the... The, um, the mahogany body. The mahogany, like, uh, Korean-built ones yeah, yeah. with the through neck. And um, he was playing that into, again, a Fender he was behind the speaker I couldn't see it it was I think it was a, a deluxe I think it was a hot rod deluxe and um, during the last song the bass player's uh, amp stopped working like just she couldn't get any sound out of it so she just put the bass she just put the bass down and just sang for the last bit of the song Okay, but like during the outro she just put her mic up to the guitar up to the guy playing guitar 
and the sound that of just amplifying the strings being played through the PA sounded absolutely incredible. Really, it sounded massive. There's a um, there's a few famous. I can't remember which ones, but there are there's a there's a famous record or like guitar engineer, and they quite often mic. Mike strings. strings. That see, I was going. To, uh, that's one of the things. Thanks for, thanks for pressuring me on that one because I was going to say, Joe. I think it would be the sort of thing that you could do really well if you like had another mic for for Tim, uh-huh. like so that when he's this is Tim is the guitar Tim player, the guitar and player and polymath, polymath. You could like mic that up and send the sound of him playing the strings through like through something yes that's something you should experiment well, honestly it, I, I've never seen it done before and it, it, it I went through and spoke a whammy to, I went and spoke to the sound engineer afterwards and was like that sounded good didn't it and he was like I didn't think anyone else would notice it, it, it just it filled the room up wow. having that resonance like blow through the PA it sounded absolutely incredible what you should well, do Joe um, oh sorry Matty what, what you should uh, do Joe is put the um, strings through a whammy and just do it like less than half a step down, just really slightly <laughs> out of tune, just to really annoy people. So you have the uh, plugged in guitar in tune and then the other one just a little bit out of tune. Go on, Matty. I was going to say, um, on like a similar weird technique or doing something that you wouldn't normally do for, for miking, I always remember um, our friend Sparky and, and Chris's and Sean's band, Enos, the prog rock band about the monkey that goes to space. <laughs> he had an iron lung vocoder yeah. pedal, and he used to, instead of plugging the mic in um, and then singing into it, he used to mic up the guitar cab with it. So obviously your guitar goes into the iron lung, into the rest of your pedal board, and then there's also a mic input. He mic'd up the cab that then went back through the speaker. And it just sounded mental because it gave it this weird, like, metallic... Like it was trying to, like, vocode the sound of a guitar that was being vocoded. Yeah, I just wonder how that would even work because <laughs> the idea is obviously that it's, you know, your singing acts as, like, a percussive as instrument. Yeah. Well, no, 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 because it, does, it doesn't work like that. The iron lung is not like a um, talk box type thing. Oh. It's, it's like a traditional vocoder. So what it's doing is it, um, it basically is tuning your voice to the sound of the guitar. So when you're singing, it's playing your voice. Kind so you of, sound a bit like the Transformers. Yeah, like it's not at the pitch of your guitar, but it's like blending your voice with the pitch of the guitar. Right. Um, so what's coming out of the amp effectively is the same pitch as what you're playing on the guitar. So I don't really understand how that would how that would pan out. I think out. because the electroharmonics, they all do that. They they synthesize the sound in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't work like a. Tr- because a traditional vocoder is obviously a much bigger unit. Um, but yeah, I always remember he used to do that, which I, I thought sounded cool. That's definitely something that Mike Matthews discovered entirely by accident. and was <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, let's just make this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. As it seems with all the electro-harmonics well, that yeah, coming out recently. Sure. Yeah. From the, uh, they, they can't be bothered to do drives anymore. They're just like, let's... We've had a few things in the cupboard for a while. Let's try this. See how we do. <laughs> Talking about new stuff, why don't we delve into a little bit of... New apostles. We're 40 minutes into this podcast, and I didn't think we'd even make it to news. So much to talk about this week. Um, first up, our friends at Magnetic Effects have relaunched 
The Sandra. The wonderful uh, satellite that we've been raving about as the Sandare, I guess it is. The Sandra. S-A-N-D-A-R-E. Sandare or Sandare. Um, Who wants to talk about this? I am happy to go about talking about it. Good. Um, I still don't know what Sandare is because I'm sure I Googled it and I must have Googled it wrong because it came up as the French for pike. Fish, <laughs> and I'm sure he hasn't changed it um, from satellite to the fish. Um, but yeah, I've I've actually had we because we've got one it guitar nerds here, um, and I've had it on my board for the last month or so, and it is probably one of my favourite, just low gain preamp style pedals. I've been going between that and the three eight five, just a super cool dynamic low to medium gain booster and i suppose overdrive that's got separate bass and treble controls um and i just set it for kind of just like extra warmth and to kind of push other drive pedals works great in front of an amplifier gives you like a smooth lead sound super clean booster and i'm amazed that he's actually managed to make it even better because i thought it was pretty much perfect as it was but now it has an internal um, voltage doubler so it goes from 9 to 18 so you've got more headroom uh, and then a high input impedance and a low output impedance means that it plays really well with other pedals um, so like fuzzes before or after and things like that so it works well with like a vintage fuzz face for example um, but yeah a great pedal and because we've had one in the box for ages and then I kind of like got it out and I plugged it in and was like oh I forgot how good this was then when I was doing some reading about it, I was like, these are £109. That's yeah. nuts, isn't it? I was like, I would have easily, if like I'd have played that and someone said, okay, how much do you think this is? And then I looked at it and I felt the way it was built. I'd have gone, that's got to be 200 quid at least. Yeah, made but in the UK as well. Worth made mentioning. Made in the UK as well. And uh, the guy used to play in the Datsuns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have we um, have we scheduled him for a podcast interview? No, yet? I must. He he did email me and said, obviously, I've, I've updated this pedal. You know, can you can you give a shout out about it? And I was like, oh yeah, definitely. Lo- you know, love the satellite. He said he's you know going to stay in touch. And I was like, oh, we'll we'll get you on the podcast. So I must book him in. I um, think the next person we've got is Blake from the Tone Mob's going to come and do. We're going to do like a hidden gems kind of thing because he's got like every pedal in the world. So I think we're going to yeah, yeah. That's good. It's next. cool. It's cool that we're getting Blake on the podcast because it's like. It's guitar podcast roundabouts, isn't it? At the yeah, moment. It's, it's meta, very yeah, yeah. meta. Everybody, yeah. everybody guessing on everybody else's inside baseball podcast. I think which um, actually reminds me, we we've been invited on the Guitar Knobs podcast, okay. and I just I haven't got round to we haven't got round accepting. To, well, no, we've accepted. We oh, just haven't we? given them a date. So we'll do that. Why, at some why point. don't we? Why don't we turn it all on its head? And rather than like building this like podcast community that seems like rivalry, yeah, let's like. <laughs> I think we should start talking smack on all the other podcasts. I think we should start cutting I, promos um, on them, like doing proper like wrestling promos. Let's uh, about start why with when he, let's start with Blake. Yeah, okay. Because he's because he's got because Matt's got to then. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, been, oh, so, sorry, mate. Oh. Why don't we just start spreading like horrendous rumours about people on the <laughs> yeah. internet? Um, I think Detective well, James Cross has actually found out what Sandarm Sander means. Yeah, so, um, Sander means is Swedish for the word transmitter, which I assume is a literal translation of satellite, satellite yeah, in yeah. Swedish. So, well, there you go. 
Let's go on a little bit more IKEA with his yes. descriptions. Bang a rang. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing that. I personally, I didn't really click with the satellite when we first tried it. No. But hearing you be so um, pleasant about it, uh, so complimentary about it, <laughs> um, I well, want I want to listen to it again. I must admit, because I went back and rewatched the um, Guitar Nerds video we did on it, and I was like, oh, this sounds really good. And then I read an article in Premier Guitar about top five pedals you should leave on all the time and i was like that sounds like what guitar nerds do a lot so i was like we've got one so i unboxed it and plugged it in and went i totally didn't get it the first time around right and i think that's why i'm so glad we're using uh an actual amp and a bigger cab now for pedal of the week because i think we're getting a much better representation of the pedals sound wise and because they're coming to me and i'm doing a little bit of pre-production and prep work on them I can dial the sound in on the amp and have it ready when we actually film. Yeah, yeah. So I know exactly how it's going to sound. Whereas if I had it before and then it's going through a simulator, doesn't quite sound the same. Yeah. So yeah, totally clicked with it more. And it almost makes you want to go back through the entire Guitar Nerds catalog and kind of just like redo tons of the videos and just revisit all the uh, all the pedals we've had before maybe, um, maybe we could do some of that stuff for, for uh, Facebook rather than YouTube yeah I think Facebook that's what I'm going to do once I get some uh, once I get a better internet connection and I can start doing some proper live stuff I think that's what I'm going to do yeah. I, uh, I hear that Blake couldn't even work out how to turn that pedal on <laughs> <laughs> really starting the beef, ramping it up. Joe Branton, King of Beef. Do you want to tell me um, about <laughs> the uh, brand new Phil Jones bass BP400 and the Cab yes, 47? Yes, this is actually really exciting. I mean, I hear that uh, Blake has been talking smack <laughs> about this amp, but I actually <laughs> think it's totally wicked. So, Phil Jones bass. Um, they are... They're a great company for bass amplification, but they have become incredibly uncool. Yes. Um, so anyway, I think they started off pretty uncool. Yeah, but they sort of they were doing something that no one else was doing, and then everyone else sort of came in and did it differently. And Phil Jones kept doing the same thing. And so, was, so, so for people that don't know, Phil Jones' uh, bass really specialise in uh, people with back problems. Um, in that they they make amps but their number one thing is trying to make stuff lightweight rather yeah. than number one thing being make stuff sound good which i i think is a better way to go well, about I it i mean but, that's that's subjective yeah of course their stuff does actually sound really really good i'm just i'm always always concerned about a company that's like biggest priority is not the sound but but that said i still think phil jones make great amps now the really weird thing about phil jones amps is they'll do things like they'll make a uh, where companies are making four tens, they'll make a sixteen four. Yeah, you know, it, like as in sixteen four inch speakers in an amp, and the amp will be the shape of a chair. <laughs> you, you know, it's like they, everything they did was bonkers, like weird shaped and really unusual. They're building more. When you say the shape of a chair, what you well, actually mean is they're building stuff that doesn't look like conventional guitar cap shapes. Yes. They look to me almost more like. PA custom built PA yeah. stuff. Yeah, exactly. It does look very much like PA, but and they, they actually all, did used to build PA at one point. I think yeah. well, it's all really well made. It's normally pretty expensive. They're pretty top end, and like the Tolex finishes on their stuff is always really, really sound. But yeah, they've introduced this uh, BP four hundred, which is them moving into um, just a simple lightweight um, amp head. So the BP four hundred is um, uh, is. Uh, not 400 but 350 watt of course um, uh, amp head uh, but you're getting Phil Jones quality they're 
um, they're going to be retailing at like $800. So it's not, you know, that's that's a really sort of reasonable price, like mid-level price point for an amp head. And you're going to get something that's got the, the build quality that comes with all Phil Jones stuff. It looks super, like substantial, well-built. The, the controls and everything look really top-notch. And it is absolutely dinky. Um, so kind of really simple uh, front end setup. It does also have a limiter on board. It's really cool. But but kind of what's most exciting, like I, I haven't heard this yet, so I, I can't say any more than it looks like it's well built and Phil Jones are a brilliant company. So it probably is really good and it looks like it's a good price. But the other thing that's super cool is they've released um, a cab uh, with it, which... Uh, cab 47 is cab what it's called. Cab 47, yes. Um, which looks to the untrained eye like 410. But it's actually in true Phil Jones-based style, a 4.7. Indeed. So it's four 7-inch um, speakers, which is going to be so, like, so tight and, and so, like, they're... Phil Jones are especially popular with double bass players and, like, sessiony guys who want that really super clean, toppy tone, that really modern bass tone. And I think this these cabs look like they're going to do exactly that. The cabs... Um, are set to be retailing at $600 a piece making them very affordable for you know for a company that uh, design everything around being uh you know being lightweight enough for you to use at small gigs and and, and stuff like that. I, I I think these are really well priced um bits of equipment for a company of their sort of level to be Definitely. doing Definitely, so, they seem to be much more affordable than their previous stuff. Exactly, I seem and to remember it would be lovely to see uh, Phil Jones Bass sort of you know back on the on the market kind of in a big way because they do make great stuff. It's just I've always kind of thought that they've missed trends. Like yeah. they, they, it's never they they seem to always be making stuff that no one's interested in. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this seems like a company that makes stuff really well actually making something people want. I tell you what, look at the. Um, the the volume control on the PB four hundred yeah. looks absolutely perfect. Like it looks like something from NASA. Yeah, it's like it's a, yeah. it's, a, it's like a massive, um, like yeah, just a massive knob that <laughs> Wee, that yeah. looks Wee. like. It, I mean, it, it honestly, it looks like you're opening a safe. It looks like uh, at the beginning of Back to the Future when Marty's turning yeah. the dials on the giant amplifier. Oh, it looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm Absolutely into it. fantastic. Good, nice little bit of design. Um, Jay Cross, do you want to... Uh, well, let's do one last bit of news because we're running way long on this episode. Let's do one last bit of news. Let's talk about the cast engineering Mike Zito piece drive. Yeah, so um, the Mike Zito piece drive is a uh, drive and boost uh, in one... Um, you can use either the drive. This is from Cast Engineering. So this, who, yeah, from Cast Engineering, yeah. who you know we all know and love. Um, so it, it comes in Cast Engineering's uh, now legendary sparkle finishes. Yeah. So this is in a this is in a, a lovely tasteful orange sparkle. Yeah. Um, so you've got um, a, a drive on one side, a boost on the other side. Um, and you can switch whether they are whether it's driving to boost or boosting to drive. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, which Thanks. is really nice. So um, Mike Zito is a like kind of country player. Um, so I've not we've not actually heard this yet, but um, like we listened to a couple of Mike Zito tracks, and you know you kind of get the vibe that it's it's going from. I I, I can assume that it's going to be like very transparent and very. Um, 
just like yeah just nice sounding yeah from from his listening to a couple of tracks of his stuff it's very I don't want to say it's like middle of the road country but it's yeah. not like alt rock kind no, of country no no it's no very it's much like Americana Americana traditional like yeah. American rock music yeah so this is clearly not going to be something that suddenly switches into a kind of fuzzy no. uh, ov- overdrive is it no it's, it's very clean sounding yeah yeah, um, yeah i actually read an interview with um with mike earlier today and he said that um it like this had been really well received except um blake um <laughs> was giving i don't know man he, he said that he was giving him some real grief over it and he just yeah, didn't I want, heard that too did you yeah, i think yeah, yeah. i read it i don't know he said that blake was just like being really rude to him yeah, so I, terrible I, guy. I don't know i don't know I, my advice is if you're a, a budding pedal uh, builder, just stay away from speaking to Blake. <laughs> honestly, real beef. <laughs> the, funny, the, the funny thing is, is I kind of get that maybe the sarcasm, the British sarcasm, probably won't come across <laughs> yeah. as well as it does here as it will in America. I think where everyone in, who listens to it in the UK will be laughing. Everyone in America will be like, "Wow, they really don't like this." <laughs> Tell you what, for a pair of vegans, these two are dropping some substantial beef. <laughs> Let's dive straight headlong into... Well, actually, first, before we do that, um, worth mentioning this week, obviously, we found out that Chris Cornell passed away. Um, Matt, you're, I would imagine, probably the biggest Soundgarden fan out of any of us. Um, I just like Soundgarden, man. They're a great band. Yeah. They're a great band. They came along a few years before I was kind of really getting into music, I guess. Yeah, um, they, they passed me by. But I realised that why they passed me by, actually, it was because um, I have always had Soundgarden and Savage Garden confused. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think the saluting of Savage Garden had passed yeah, away? I mean, yeah. I, d- I didn't know they were two different bands, I'll be honest. Were you truly madly deeply upset about that? <laughs> I mean, I just thought it was really unusual when that green uh, 335 signature model came out. I was like, this is a really tasteful guitar. Are you being genuine about this? Yeah. Oh, yeah, incredible. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to say that because obviously, you know, Matt, you're a fan of the band. We all really, really liked the signature guitar, I think, when it came out. Absolutely fantastic guitar. Um, And, uh, yeah, the whole guitar world seems kind of shook up about it. So, yeah. so anyway, um, yeah, worth mentioning. Bit of sad news in the uh, in the guitar world. Look after yourselves out there, um, and we'll dive headfirst into a single solitary question. This kind of links into um, the uh, previous topic, actually. Um, what Savage Garden? Yeah, and I completely forgot to to write down who asked us this question. But the question <laughs> is, um, what's your favourite artist signature guitar? For me, it's always the ESP KH2 Vintage. Ah, let's go. Is that a Kirk Hammett signature it is. That, model? No, no, that guitar <laughs> no. is cool though. It is honestly because that's no, the Kirk it's Hammett like, is the worst guitarist no, of all time. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. No, I am lying. Um, He's that, great. That is the uh, relict ESP version. That's actually really tastefully done it looks like a nice old guitar oh that's cool yeah they're, they're awesome Matt Knight let's go to, to you first your favourite signature model of all time um, that's tricky do you remember there was that Gretsch that had three TV Jones pickups in it the Stumpermatic the Stumpermatic you bought one Matt Knight I did buy one and then I sold it really stupidly that was, that was a great guitar that actually that it was, was an was incredible a, price that, as well uh, yeah I think Although one guitar, I'm going to go with one guitar I really like now, and then they never come up secondhand. And I wish I bought one at the time, but I wish I'd bought one of the Frank Zappa Gibson SG yeah. 
Roxy yeah, they guitars. were so gorgeous they were a great looking guitar they sounded really cool they had great pickup options on mm. them coil tap and like out of phase they were a thousand pounds um i should have bought one they were they were an awesome guitar and probably one of my favorites because it wasn't too far away from anything like particularly mental just like a nice looking sg yeah 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 jay cross I've got two that I'm going to throw well, into the mix. All right, then. No, it's one. What's your favourite? It's not what your favourites. Uh, Go on, give us two. I've got two that I'm going to throw into the mix. Okay. Uh, number one is the uh, Johnny Marr Jag. Yes. Um, I just think that's just such a great guitar. Well, it perfected the Jag. Completely. Unlike- it had so many. It had so many little little things to it unlike so many signature models which are really sort of like artist alternatives this was like just fixing all the problems with yeah the jaguars like mustang bridge and the switching the switching system you know so it moved to the um the four-way selector switch that you know was popularized by the bar hartelli that you know we all we all absolutely adored yeah and uh and yeah just a fantastic guitar absolutely fantastic guitar uh the other one that i'm going to throw in there is uh, a guitar that I had an opportunity to buy and didn't buy and have honestly regretted it ever since. And that is the Gibson Joan Jet Blackheart, which was a glorified melody maker. Let's you know, let's make yeah. no bones about it. It was it was the cheapest guitar that uh, that Gibson made at the time, but it l- looked it was like a double cut in a slightly it was like halfway between a double cut Les Paul and an SG. Yeah. And uh, it had hearts on the 12th fret. And very, it was amazing. Very, I loved cool. it. But, very neat. Uh, never bought it. JB, um, I, I was actually on, on a quick side note. Uh, I was having a conversation today about the best signature models being the ones that managed to transcend being signature models. Obviously, the Les Paul is, is the most famous of, of course. That. But um, the, the, the John Petrucci's, uh, like another example of an absolutely like fantastic like workhorse guitar that's managed to transcend the fact that it's a signature model now almost to the extent that they're just the jps now like but but i don't even really think about them as being signature but i think that's the case for a lot of those um a lot of those music man guitars like think about the steve luke Luke. yeah you know think about the steve luke well of course the albert lee as well and the albert lee absolutely you know those are guitars that are absolutely signature models but you don't think like when i when I first started working in a, in a guitar shop and people would be like, oh, have you got any Lukes? I thought it was a... I didn't realise... I didn't know it was the geezer from Toto. I think the key thing with that is, and what's different from probably before you started working in shops, is that they now pretty much don't make anything that isn't a signature model. Yeah. Yeah. Before well, they used to do the whole yeah, Axis yeah. range, all and the super the cutlass sports. and the... Yeah, the, in the last couple of years yeah, they started suppose, doing that. Yeah. But for, for a while, all you could buy were luke's or the jp stuff um and obviously now you know there's the um st vincent and, and albert lee um but yeah before that they kind of did a whole range and then did a couple of signature models and now it's basically the other way around it's all signature models and there's a couple that aren't signature models that aren't particularly music manny you know they're fendery basically yeah, yeah. completely um, i mean they're, they're james valentine i mean well exactly yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't really feel like i'm playing a a signature one. I mean, maybe in America, more people were like, oh, James Valentine, Maroon 5, because I think they're a much bigger band yes. over there than they are here. But it, it doesn't feel like a 
So it just feels like a well-designed guitar that just happens to have someone else's name on it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, of course. JB, you never oh, said well, what your favourite uh, yeah, was. Yeah, well, I'd say my favourite is probably what I think is probably the best-selling signature bass of all time, probably, is the um, the, the Fender Mark Hoppus P-Bass, um, just for its just totally getting something right sheer simplicity big p bass neck on a jazz bass body so you've got more wood overall quarter pounder pickup in the later models it was reversed so that which i always think is better so you've got your um more low end on your high strings which i think is important if you play across your strings rather than up your board and um came in great colors like through all the blink movements like you got the surf colors initially then when they did their pants and jacket thing, they did like a black and a white model and then it got modernized in the sort of plus 44 era and you got like a, a tasteful like through green and through blonde, like really great guitar range. But on a sort of like personal, really weird, but I thought it was a great signature model, the Gibson Chris Novoselic oh, RD. Yeah. Remember that? It was an RD yeah. with jazz pickups in. Oh, what Very a cool odd. bass. Um, I'm going to have to be rather dull and say the Gibson Billy Joe Armstrong signature Les Paul Jr. But it's great. I, I mean, it's, I think that's brilliant just because of the case that you get with it. Yeah, nice leopard print innard case. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I love Les Paul Juniors. I'm obviously quite a big fan of Green Day. Um, and those <laughs> guitars are awesome. It's just a really good 50 spec Les Paul Jr. He's he's using a totally weird guitar now, isn't he? he isn't well, he using a seven five? Isn't he it? using a because he, he for a while he was using a rock and roll oh, relic? No, it was a two no, no. I when I went to Guitar Guitar Camden, there was a brand of guitar called Wild Dog that makes these really weird purple and gold pointy just retro 50s things with like radiator humbuckers and apparently he's been sent some of those and he's using oh, them really? on the recent tour wow yeah. I didn't know about that at all I wild, know that- wild dog guitars I think it is okay I know that he's been pushing the um rock and roll relics Les Paul Jr. a lot he's got like an American flag but it's like black and white like sparkle uh, rock and roll relics guitar so um wow okay we'll do some do some investigating on the old yeah I'll do some digging box. I'll find out the act the actual model is yeah yeah cool cool um, with that yeah. chaps um, we are well over time on this podcast so we should start wrapping things up but if you want to hear an extra half an hour of Guitar Nerds content every week you can go to patreon.com forward slash Guitar Nerds where from as little as one dollar a month you can support Guitar Nerds at the one dollar tier you get the full regular podcast without the ads and early from five dollars and upwards you get an extra half an hour of Guitar Nerds content every week, plus also the access to the interviews that Matt's been doing and access to the mini-series Joe Branton's Ranton, which, Series 2 soon? Yeah, Series two's coming up soon. We also need to sort out doing Gear, of, Ye- come round Gear to of Yesteryear. We need yeah. to do that. You've Oh, I've got all those magazines at home. Okay, I've well, separated them all. Okay, well, we need to do that. Gear of Yesteryear coming up rather soon, I'd imagine. Um, so all of that available at the $5 tier, and you can always go back and listen to all the old content. So there's like... I was looking the other day, there's, including the full episodes, there's like 120 or 130 things on Patreon for you to listen to, which is bonkers, because most of them run to an hour or half an hour for the, the bonus one. So there's a whole lot on there, um, lots to listen to. And we also have our top tier, $10 gets you your name read out on the full podcast, like this. What song are we going for? 
Derek Rich, Chris Connors, Andy Joyce, Steve Merkel, Blaytons, Carlos Mata, Andrew Macro, Mark Ross, Eddie Jock, Andy McKenzie, Matt Hitt, Paul this week, uh, worth mentioning, we are going to be talking about Fender's switch from Rosewood. Um, they released their official statement this week about not doing Rosewood on some of the guitars that no currently have Rosewood. More wood of Rose. Um, Rosewood. Where uh, we're going to talk a little bit the, about the CITES regulations that have we're caused that. We're going to take some questions. We're going to take, uh, some, we're gonna take questions. some questions as well. There are um, some good questions this week. Indeed, um, stuff about uh, small bass amps. Stuff about uh, which pedal board to use with a JC40. Stuff about Line Six M9 and Line Six M9s. Yeah, so kind of like weird or not weird, but non-traditional multi-effects. We're going to talk about that as well. Swag. So Patreon.com forward slash Guitar Nerds. You should also go to uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram. We're at Guitar Nerds. Guitar Nerds? At Guitar Lords. Guitar Nerds on both of those platforms. And you can go to YouTube.com forward slash Guitar Nerds videos where Pedal of the Week is starting again this Friday. Yeah. Is that no, right? Oh, no, no. Probably not. Not this Friday. Not this Friday, no. Um, but that's like three weeks without any content oh, on Oh, really? There. Oh, okay. Well, it have to be this Friday. Okay, okay. good. Something starting this Friday. So, um, yeah, YouTube, go and check that out. There's lots of new fun stuff. I'm going to shoot uh, the second episode of Mod Mode shortly as well. So, all good fun. Thanks for listening this week, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, Farewell. Bye. Bye. I'm actually buying a new guitar. I'm actually buying a new guitar, a guitar guitar, not a bass guitar. I'm actually buying a new guitar, not a bass, a guitar. I will never need to buy another gigging bass. Now I've got the stone filled. Bass. Never need to buy another gigging bass. Gigging bass. Gigging bass. Gigging bass. Now I've got the stone. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.